Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We've got three areas of scripture, Titus chapter 2, Luke chapter 19, Acts chapter 9. Once again, uh, Titus chapter 2, Luke 19, Acts chapter 9. Wanted to let you know that for our 30th wedding anniversary, we had a 30-year dream, ever since we got married, to go to New Zealand. So six months ago, I was looking online, trying to find tickets, whatever, and these tickets on Air Alaska, which doesn't even fly to New Zealand, were selling for just a few hundred dollars. So, <laughs> so I bought them. And I was like, we're going to New Zealand, right? So then I had to make a change on them. And I called Air Alaska and found out it wasn't Alaska. It's American. So I had to call American. And the lady goes, I have no idea how you got this fare. Don't change a thing. She goes, we don't sell tickets for this cheap to New Zealand. She goes, how did you do this? I went, Jesus. <laughs> I love when Jesus breaks the other people's bank, huh? So we just had such a phenomenal time celebrating 30 years um, and so grateful. Uh, the first 30 years were like, let's just get through this, you know. Uh, we raised nine kids. It was like we named it survival. The next 30 years is like, here we come. <laughs> so it was a great, great time. As well, let me say, um, everyone has received a Rise Up uh, flyer, a postcard. And I want to ask you, if you would please, to rise up and put this somewhere at work, somewhere at home, and then move it every once in a while so it doesn't become wallpaper so that you will be reminded to rise up to pray. We believe that God is going to do something supernatural and is doing something supernatural, and so we need to pray. And so we've given you this long in advance of Easter so that you've got a physical reminder to, to remind you to rise up to pray. Amen? All right, Titus chapter 2, Luke chapter 19, Acts chapter 9. Let's go to the Lord in prayer to prepare our hearts. Father, we're excited about the Word of God. That's why we're here. It's why we can make it through the rain. It's why we are passionate to study. And today, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit. Because, Lord, the Word is to be zealous for good works. But we need your spirit to move in us to cause us to rise up to be what you've asked us to be. And so, Spirit of God, would you fall fresh on this place? Would you move in such power that our lives are radically changed, that we ourselves will be surprised, even shocked at our actions of putting feet to our faith, and being zealous for good works. In Jesus' name, amen. I need to let you know something. Apathy did not get the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Listen again. Look, get over yourselves, it's an illustration. 
And just because I'm mentioning them does not mean I'm for them. I'm a Dolphins fan. God, let's pray for them. But apathy... God bless the 49ers. Apathy did not get the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you know that no other service booed me? (laughs) 1230, you guys are the rowdy group, okay? Once again, apathy did not get the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Neither did Taylor Swift. These guys have been practicing all season for this event. In fact, if you were to ask each of the team players, most of them have probably given their whole lives to the sport of football. It started with flag football, probably on their Pop Warner field. Now all the way to the NFL. Thousands of hours have been spent to accomplish the goal of wearing that championship ring. In fact... In an athletic kind of way, the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers, each player exemplify the word zeal. I've got a friend who, uh, several friends actually, who's played in the NFL. And whether you're recruited or a free agent, getting on the team is quite a challenge. And let me tell you why. It is very special. Keep that word in mind. It's very special to wear that jersey and be on that team. One of my friends was so excited that he made the team, he decided to celebrate the next day and eat a a whole bowl of Fruit Loops. And there he was at the training center of his NFL team, and the coach walked by and said, what are you doing? What are you eating? He said, I made the team, coach. I'm celebrating. Coach looked at him and said, you did yesterday. Today's a different day. See, that coach knew something about zeal. He knew what his player needed. That coach knew that zeal does not waver in the face of victory or the face of defeat. Zeal is a character that's got integrity. Whether you're on the field or off the field, it defines who you are. It does not compromise its convictions. It passionately, no matter what, gets the job done by fashioning our whole lives around accomplishing the task, despite the cost. And with that, listen to what Paul wrote Titus. In Titus chapter 2, we'll begin there in verse 13. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. He died on the cross so that we might have eternal life that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, all the sin that we've done, he's forgiven us for, and purify for himself his own, here's the word, special people, zealous for good works. Church, we need to be zealous for good works. And we have come to the point that this entire letter from Paul to Titus, from this entire letter from the Spirit of God to us is about be zealous for good works. He introduced it. He introduced it in Titus chapter 2 verse 7 that we were to show a pattern of good works. In other words, people should know us for our acts of kindness. They should know us for our acts of love. They should know us for our acts of mercy. 
Now he brings us to the pinnacle in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, and he says that we should be zealous for good works. Being zealous for good, good works, it's not something that you sign up for like an event that you do once a month. No, it defines who we are. Let me give you an example. It's found in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus returns separating the sheep and the goats. And he says to the sheep, when I was in jail, you visited me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you put clothes on me. And I want you to see the response of those sheep, the righteous. Take a look, Matthew chapter 25. The Bible says, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you in and out? Sorry, put a little 21st century in there. Or thirsty and give you drink. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely, I say to you, speaking to the righteous, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. What are you saying? You were doing it all the time. And every time you did it for someone, you were doing it for me. But I need you to note something about those in Matthew 25. When Jesus said, you clothed me, you fed me, you gave me some of the drink, they go, when did we do that? Do you know why they said that? Because it wasn't something special for them. It just defined who they were. They were zealous for good works. And when Jesus pointed it out, they had no idea who Jesus was talking about because they were zealous. It was not something they signed up for. It just defined who they were. Later in Titus chapter 3, he's going to continue to build off of this theme. And in Titus chapter 3 verse 1, he says we should be ready for every good work. Titus 3.1, ready for every good work. Whenever the Spirit prompts us, We're ready to spring into action, no matter where it is, no matter who it is. But we're going to have to be sensitive to the Spirit. We're going to have to listen to what the Spirit has to say. Now, some of us miss what the Spirit has to say, but we never miss a meal. You see, our bodies are sensitive to carbs and caffeine. Because if we don't have it, it affects us. Just say no to coffee tomorrow and don't eat at your favorite donut place. I guarantee by 11 o'clock, you will get the caffeine headache and your stomach will be going, feed me now. Feed me now. And you will even possibly get hangry in the process. But our spirits must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit even more so than our body is to an empty stomach or a caffeine headache. The problem is sometimes we feed our flesh more than we feed our spirit. But we need to feed our spirit so that when the spirit moves us, we'll know it's him and we will go into action ready for every good work. But then continuing to feed off his theme of being zealous for good works. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, and in Titus chapter 3, verse 14, two times the Spirit reminds us to maintain good works. Do you know why the Spirit of God tells us two times to maintain good works? It's the same reason your mother used to call you twice. Because the first time you didn't hear her, Chet. But when she called the second time, Chet, let me tell you something. I ran my little hip right inside the house because I knew if I didn't, sorry, the Bahamian accent is coming out. When if I knew that I did not get into that house, she would take a switch and put it all over my backside. 
My mother used to tell me, listen, you go pick your switch. If it breaks on your backside, I'll go pick it. And I guarantee it'll be as big as a two by four. I grew up in a different era when you used to spank your children. And let me explain. (laughs) Don't clap. They're watching. (laughs) You see, the truth of the matter is when my mom called my name the second time, I knew I had no more time left. She got my attention. And the reason why the Spirit mentions twice, maintain good works. He's trying to get our attention because some of us used to do kid life 30 years ago. Some of us used to go on mission trips. But he says maintain good works. And there's a reason why he has to tell us twice. Take a look at how Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 6. He's writing the church to encourage them to maintain good works in the same way he's writing Titus. And he says this. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap. In other words, it takes time. We shall reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, that's believers and unbelievers, especially to those of the household of faith. And in that last verse defines the solution and the problem. Do good to all, especially the household of faith, people. People are the problem. It's why we grow tired of doing good, because people are mean. Have you ever served in kid life? Have you ever been there? I guarantee, next, sign up, be a volunteer. Next week, why did God do this? Why did God do that? Why did God do this? Can you tell me, did Adam have a belly button? Can you tell me, where did Cain's uh, wife come from? And they just ask every question you could possibly imagine. By the end of three services, you go home and die. (laughs) How in the world can I go? People are the problem. Paul knows it. As you're ministering and serving, people can wear you out. And can I tell you that Jesus grew tired? In John chapter 6, you don't need to turn there. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people and they want more food. People. He supernaturally feeds them. There's leftovers and they want more. His disciples are looking at this whole thing and going, Oh, Jesus, whoa, we can overthrow the government. These 5,000 people, we march into Jerusalem. So Jesus sends them to the lake and they go across to get into the middle of a storm to kind of wake their attention. Jesus has just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. People had worn him out. So he sends his disciples on the lake, and he himself, take a look, it's John chapter 6. It'll be on the screen. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force, a revolution, to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. He went to go be with the source of his power, to get connected. And because he was constantly connected, he was zealous for good works. He didn't wear out because of the power source, his father, that he was constantly connected to. So much so, he developed a reputation. Take a look at Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. It wasn't that people didn't wear Jesus out. He just constantly went to the source of power. For me, I need to let you know, sometimes I get tired. Sometimes at the end on a Sunday, do you know what it is to teach three sermons and to get out in the lobby? I'm going to write a book called The Lobby. I've told you this. 
I'm going to write a book called The Lobby. I won't mention any of your names, but it's one moment. We're pregnant. We're going to have a child. The next moment, my mom died. I'm crying and laughing every two seconds. And sometimes on Sunday, I go home and I just pass out. My dog wants me to take him for a walk. And I look at my dog and I go, no. (laughs) And in that moment, I have something that I practice in my life. I get connected to the source because that's what Jesus did. And in Psalm chapter 77, a verse that I hold true to my heart, I will always also meditate on all your work, everything you've done for me, and talk of your deeds. And I will say out loud, Jesus, you died for me. You climbed up that hill for me. You did not lose any passion. You were zealous for good works. Keep me connected to you. You see, Jesus is the power of our source for us to be able to be zealous for good works. And let me tell you, Jesus is the one that put us on the team in the first place. Let me tell you something. You didn't have to work to get to heaven. You didn't have to play uh, 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 flag football all your whole life in order to get to the championship game. You simply believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He did all the hard work for you, and then he gave you the Jesus jersey. And you get to put that Jesus jersey on, and you get to be on the team simply because you believe. It doesn't matter what you've done in your history. Jesus died for that. He's redeemed you from those lawless deeds, and now he's purifying you because you got the Jesus jersey on. Now, church, by faith, you can have the Jesus jersey You can't work for it because Jesus did all the work for you. But there's a response to wearing the Jesus jersey. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, Paul says it like this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Can you imagine if we got to heaven by working for it, what heaven would be like? It would be a one-upmanship for eternity. What would you to get here? I went to Africa. What did you get to here? I went to Peru. What did you get to do here? Oh, I did 15 outreaches. What did you get? I did 16 outreaches. Imagine what heaven would be like if we had to work to get there. That's why God puts us all on the same level, and he says you just simply have to believe to get the Jesus jersey. But once you got the Jesus jersey on, take a look at the next verse. For we are his workmanship. He did the work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Church, did you hear that? The work of Jesus got us the Jesus jersey. The work of Jesus put us on his special team. And what Paul is saying in Titus and now in Ephesians is that we've been given this new life. We've been given this Jesus jersey to be a powerful force for good on this earth. And what Jesus is going to do to his disciples and for us, he's going to give us a story to help us understand that we need to be zealous for good works. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, Jesus tells a story. The Bible calls it a parable. That's why I tell you stories. And a story, a parable, is a heavenly truth given in earthly language. That's a parable. 
Something about heaven, Jesus explains with earthly language. And so, in Luke chapter 19, verse 11, the disciples aren't getting it, so Jesus tells a story. Take a look. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Can I remind you to this point in the life and ministry of Jesus, he's told them three times, I'm going to Jerusalem to die and rise again. They are so thick-headed, they don't get it. Three times he's told them. And they think they're on their way to Jerusalem to overthrow the government. They think they're on their way to Jerusalem. Peter, James, and John are arguing about who's going to be the vice president. Matthew's thinking to himself, I'm going to lead the treasury. I'm sure that Simon the zealot is thinking, I'm going to lead the army. They're having arguments about who's going to be the greatest. I mean, their minds are so far from the reality that Jesus has to tell them a story. But I don't want you to be so hard on them. How many of you, it's taken a long time for the simple truth of the word to penetrate your heart? I told you, Andre and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. And while we were away, we talked about the last 30 years. We talked about our successes. We were honest about our failures. We came up with one word I told you early, survival. That's how we got through the first 30 years. We were raising nine kids. We were just trying to keep our head above water. Now, with our last kid gone, we talked about the last 30 years because we've got another 30 years that we're planning on. And we looked backward with vulnerability and, transparent, and transparency, and we're surprised at the things that we argued before that we thought were so important. The things that bothered us that no, we don't even care about anymore. The things that five and ten years into marriage that were like, I can't believe we just didn't let love cover a multitude of sins. I mean, the simplicity of the truth of the word, if we just would have applied it, and now we're looking back 30 years, and Andrea looked at me and she goes, it's about time you get it. (laughs) She says to me, there's one truth that I hope you will get as we move into the next 30 years, that I am the neck that moves that head of yours. She did not say that, otherwise we would need another 30 years of marriage counseling. But it's amazing to me as we looked backwards at the simple lessons of faith that if we would just apply them to our marriage, but we plan on in the next 30 years. You see, they weren't getting it, so Jesus tells them a story to help them out. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, excuse me, verse 12, we'll pick it up from there. Therefore he said, now I'm going to read it to you the way that I think he communicated. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. I mean, I think they were so thick-headed. He's like, hello, this story is about me. I'm the nobleman, Jesus, and I'm going to go away, and I'm going to be king, and I'm going to come back. Hello. Verse 13. So he called 10 of his servants. Now, that's a key word. That's the first group in this story. Called 10 of his servants. That's you and me, disciples of Jesus. And he delivered to them 10 minas, and he said to them, listen, disciples, listen, servants, listen, Christian, 
maybe you underline this, do business till I come. Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him. This is the second group. These aren't the servants. These are the citizens. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Now I've highlighted two different groups of people, the servants and the citizens. The servants are given a task. They're the Christians. And the task that's given to them, listen, Christian, do business till I come. Now, of course, we're speaking about the spiritual business that Jesus has employed us all into because we got the Jesus jersey on. He says, do business till I come. The next group are the citizens. These are the first century Jewish leaders, and they hated Jesus so much, they crucified him. And Jesus knows they're going to do it. That's why he tells the story. And this group, the servants, they're given ten minas. Now, this is quite a contribution of cash. This is three months of salary given in one fell swoop. And the king gives it to him, and he says, listen, do business till I come. Now, each of the servants get the same amount. They are each given 10 servants. They're each given 10 minus. Now, Christians usually confuse this story with the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. In the parable of the talents, the point is the same, but the illustration is different. Jesus, once again, he's a king that goes away and he comes back, but he gives each of his servants talents. To some he gave ten, to some he gave five, to some he gave one. So he gave a different measure of talent to each person in the parable of the talents. That's different here. In this one, the servants receive all ten minus. Because in the parable of the talents, Jesus is talking about our gifts. Each one of us have been given some gifts. Some have ten, some have five, some have one. All up to the Spirit of God in what he wants to give you, but you're responsible to fan the flame of that gift. That's the point of the story. But in this one, the parable of the minas, they're given a contribution of cash. They're given wealth. And every single servant is given the same amount of wealth because every Christian has received the wealth of the gospel. And we are responsible with the gospel to do business with it until Jesus comes. You might ask, well, what's the business of the gospel? Preach the gospel and make disciples. It's a simple job description. We've got the Jesus jersey on, we're the servants, and he says, do business, preach the gospel, and make disciples. And you're responsible to do it. Now, I want you to note, he calls them servants. And a servant knows they have a master. And in the first century world, they would have understood this very clearly, because if your dad was a plumber, you were a plumber. If your dad was a carpenter, Joseph, Jesus was a carpenter. Because you followed the trade of your father. You followed the trade of the person that was raising you up. So Jesus uses the culture and he says this. It's Matthew chapter chapter 10, verse 25. He says, it's enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. 
So he calls them servants because he wants them to get across the point. I've set an example for you, and I want you to go the way of the master. Do the business. Well, what was the way of the master? If you take a look at the screen, the first way of the master, his zeal for good works attracted people to himself. His zeal for good works attracted people to himself. Take a look, it's Mark chapter 3, but Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and beyond the Jordan. A great multitude. People were following. And those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. Jesus was zealous for good works. And his good works, his zeal for good works, attracted people to himself. People want to be around someone that's constantly doing good things. Secondly, I want you to see the way of the master. He calls them servants for a reason. He tells them to do business till he comes. And the second way of the master, his good works, busy about doing so many, led people to receive the gospel. Listen, before I read the text, Jesus was so busy about doing good works. I had someone coming out, uh, uh, I was in the lobby the other day, and someone goes, Pastor Chet, since you've come here, like we've started 20 new ministries. We've got uh, a ministry for addictions. We've got a ministry uh, for foster care. We've got a ministry. They started listing all these ministries. Let me tell you why. Because I believe in the way of the master. And I will do anything to reach anyone because Jesus, when they saw all that he was doing, he was doing everything to reach one, they came to him. And my prayer is that as we do the way of the master, we will see people come to Christ each and every week at Calvary Chapel South Bay. But the second way of the master, the second way of the master is that his good works led people to receive the gospel. Take a look what Jesus says in John 10. If I do not do the works of my Father, Jesus is speaking, don't believe me. But if I do, though you don't believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Now, church, let me say, you've got a neighbor, and you've been ministering to that neighbor for years, and then your, neighbor, your neighbor's mother dies. So you bake an apple pie, it's still hot. And you walk over with that apple pie. And your neighbor sees the pie and sees you and breaks down crying. They invite you in the house. And all of a sudden, years of ministering, an apple pie gives you the opportunity to share the gospel. Jesus said, if you don't believe me, believe the apple pie. See the good work that I'm doing because our good works will lead people to Jesus. Take a look at this next verse that was on that slide, John chapter 20. John knew it to be true. The Bible says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. John got it. 
He realized it and wrote seven miracles that Jesus did, his good works for people, and he knew that if you saw and you knew what Jesus did, that it would lead you straight to the gospel. We are the servants. He is the master. And church, we've got a question. Are we willing to do business till he comes? Because as his servants, our zeal for good works will attract people to Christ and lead them to the gospel. Now, I need you to see something in this story as you look at Luke chapter 19. Verse 15, as he continues, so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Listen to what he's saying. You're accountable. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. He said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. Servant, uh, second servant came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, here's your mina. I kept it in my handkerchief, for I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. It's important to see a couple things here. First is this. You're accountable for the wealth of the gospel. You're accountable to do business till he comes. Jesus calls a sampling of three of the sermons, servants representing all ten. Because we're accountable for the wealth of the gospel that we've been given. And we're accountable to do business till he comes. Do you remember when Jesus was speaking to the churches in Revelation chapter 2? He said something so powerful. He said, I know your deeds. Revelation 2, 2. I know your deeds. Do you know what else he's saying? I know what you haven't done. I know what you've done. I know what you haven't done. Now, church, remember, we're to do business till, like, till he comes. We've been given this new life. We got the Jesus jersey on for a reason. The reason we've got the Jesus jersey on is to be a powerful force for good on the earth. And Jesus is serious about it. He is serious about it that he's going to hold us accountable. And the reason he's serious about it is because our good works lead people to Jesus. It's also important to see what the third said. Third shows up and goes, oh, I don't have any minus. So he took out his handkerchief and he goes, look, I kept it in my handkerchief. I kept it safe and I know you're an austere man. And I want you to see something. Look at verse 22. Jesus confirms it. In verse 22, he said to him, out of your own mouth, I'll judge you, you wicked servant. Ouch. Who wants to hear that in heaven? You knew that I was an austere man. He confirms it collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Let me tell you what this means. Jesus has a high standard of expectation for those that are wearing the Jesus jersey. If you got the Jesus jersey on, you will be called to account with the wealth of the gospel. Have you preached the gospel? Have you made disciples? 
This is happening in heaven. Who wants to be embarrassed when you get in front of Jesus? And he goes, you wicked servant. Excuse me? (laughs) Does anyone hear that? I hope not. I need to let you know why a standard is so high. He went to the cross. Do you know that work was a part of perfection? When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God looked at him and said to Adam, tend the garden. Work the garden. Work was a part of perfection. Work has always been part of humanity. And he told him, be zealous for it. And Adam wasn't zealous working in the garden. That's why the whole curse happened. That's why the whole fall happened. He didn't do what God asked him to do. And God put him out of the garden because he wasn't responsible with what he was supposed to work at. We've been asked to do business till he comes. To be zealous for good works of preaching the gospel and making disciples. Jesus has a high standard because he's a working man. Take a look. It's John chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I've been working. Do you realize what it would be if Jesus took off a day? I'm tired today. I'm not going to answer any prayers. And when you call Jesus, you heard, thank you for calling. Please leave a message on my voicemail. I'll get back to you in the next 24 hours. Who wants to hear that when you're crying out? Do you know that if Jesus took a day off, we would all hit that wall at a thousand miles per hour? Because Jesus, the Bible says, by him, the whole world is being held up. And if Jesus took a day off, we'd all hit that wall because the earth would stop rotating. Church, Jesus is a working man. Let me tell you something. If Travis Kelsey gets on that field on February 12th and he stands there, I don't care who his girlfriend is, the coach is going to pull him off the field because he's not doing the business of winning the Super Bowl. Who wants to be pulled off the field? in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Can you imagine? Travis, if you're just going to stand there, get off the field. That's embarrassing. Your job is to win the Super Bowl. Your job is to be zealous about the championship. Now, I know some of you are going, why are you using so much football today? Because I know thousands of you are going to watch that game. And when you watch, I want you to watch it spiritually. And I want you to see the zeal of those guys to win that championship game and let it remind you of how you're to be zealous for good works. And if you don't like the football and you don't even know who the Kansas City Chiefs are or who Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift is, first of all, you need to enter the 21st century. I want to give you one of my biblical heroes. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. She is amazing. Take a look. It's Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I want you to see this lady. She is a spiritual hero. At Joppa, Acts chapter 9, verse 36, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. You can see why they call her Tabitha. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Did you see that? This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. Ooh. 
That was not the next verse I was thinking would happen. But it happened in those days, she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. In other words, she was dead. Since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Tabitha was the first Christian Gucci. She sewed all the clothes. And when she walked in, the ladies were like, she made this skirt for me. She made this blouse for me. She made this shirt. She made this blouse. The guys were walking in. She made this great, big, wonderful tunic for me. It's just so flowy. I don't know what they were wearing, but she made it all. She clothed the whole church. The Bible says she was full of good works and charitable deeds. Not only did she sew the clothes, she bought the material for them. She was filled with good works. Take a look what happens. Verse 40, but Peter put them all out. He knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. It's what I'm trying to get the church to do. Rise up. Be a part of the resurrection that's happening. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hands and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many people believed on the Lord. Can I tell you what's going on here? Tabitha was the first Christian designer. She was making clothes for everybody. She was full of good works. She was such an example of what it meant to be zealous for good works that the Holy Spirit raised her from the dead to continue to set an example for the church. Can you imagine this? Imagine we're at a funeral. I walk in. She made these pants for me. Oh, she used to buy me food from uh, Vaughn's. I would meet there and she just paid my bill. One time I was in and out. I couldn't believe it. And she just left money there for me. And I went through and paid, and it actually paid for more of the person behind me too. She left 50 bucks. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, uh, another person. One time I was, I, I, I was outside. I didn't know how I was going to get home. And she took me home. And it was like 30 minutes out of her way. And everyone had a story. And I'm sitting there listening. And I'm Peter. So I walk over to the casket. <laughs> we need you back. Get up. <laughs> Church, do you realize we see resurrection happening here almost every week? Last week, we saw almost 50 resurrections. 50 people walked forward, giving their life to Jesus, where they went from death to life. The truth of the matter is this. You are part of the resurrection. Jesus has called you out of darkness into light. You've got the Jesus jersey on. The question is, do you want to be like my hero, Tabitha, and start the sewing school for Christians? where everyone in Joppa heard because Tabitha was raised from the dead. And let me tell you what she was doing. She wasn't sitting around. She went back to sewing more clothes and buying more material. And as people came to see her good works, they got saved. Church, you have been resurrected. You've been taken from death to life. And are you willing to be like Tabitha with the Jesus jersey on and be zealous for good works? Listen. 
Can you imagine the amount of people that came to see the dead person that's now alive? Sitting there sewing. Listen, I'm just trying to spur you on. It's my job. Hebrews chapter 10, it's all of our jobs. The Bible says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We're called to do the business of the gospel. We're called to do business till he comes. And there's a reward. To the first servant, he says, listen, you can have 10 cities. He got more work. To the fifth, to the one who brought five, he said, you can have five cities. And what Jesus is saying, when I return, I'm going to let my servants rule and reign with me. Why do you think I went to New Zealand? I'm asking God to let me rule and reign in New Zealand. So I want to do as many good works as I can so I can put as many tickets in the New Zealand hat as I possibly can. So my name gets called Jet. You get to lead New Zealand. Woohoo! I've been there. Know that place. Love it. Where do you want to rule and reign? Or do you want to get to heaven? You wicked servant. Is anyone listening? Are you doing the business? Are you doing the business? He closes with this back in Luke chapter 19. Take a look. Since you know I'm an austere man, verse 23, why, did you, why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? Verse 24, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minus. But they said to him, Master, he's got ten minus. Now the principle, I say to you, that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Man, there are some great principles in this, this story, and I'm going to give you three. Listen to number one. Be zealous for good works. Who wants to be caught in heaven with no good works in your hand? Have a desire to have a wheelbarrow of good works that you could throw at the feet of Jesus and receive your reward. Do you see this? This is the marine medal. And it's a marine medal of accomplishment. I've never been in the Marines. But Jimmy, who gave his life for the Marines, he was an exceptional leader. He performed better than anyone in his company. He received this medal. And when he got saved, and when he decided to give his life to the Lord and follow God's calling, one day he walked in my office and he gave me this medal. Jimmy, it's your good works. Like you, you, I, I even tried to give it back. He said, no. I want you to have it. My hands still tremble when I hold this. Because I can't tell you how honored I felt at that moment and how honored I feel right now to hold this medal in my hand. I did nothing for it. Can you imagine 
if you choose to be zealous for good works and you come to heaven with your wheelbarrow of good works and you lay them at the feet of Jesus, how honored our master will be that you've given him all of your work. He says, do business till I come. Whether it's five or ten, choose to be a force for good on this world. Now you might go, I don't know what even where to begin. I got a great clue for you. We've already talked about it. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. He says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, no matter what God puts in front of us, let us do good to all, believers and unbelievers. We got to expect unbelievers to lie, cheat, and steal. Our response is different. Especially those to the household of faith. Whatever God puts in front of you to do good, do good. Now we're going to close in communion. And I'm going to close with a prayer. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. The worship team is going to come out. We're going to do communion just a little bit different. I'm actually going to give you time. Just a few moments. And I'm going to read a prayer. I'm not going to say a prayer. I'm going to read a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Galatia. And what I want us to do in this communion is to remember. Let me explain. Andre and I look back on 30 years of marriage and we realized, okay, there are things we want to take into the next 30 years and things we don't want to take into the next 30 years. We were honest. We were vulnerable. We were transparent with each other. Thank you, Gene. Thank you. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, Abbas. And maybe you need to be honest and transparent with yourself. We've been called to do business till he comes. Have you been doing the business? Is your life filled with good works or are you just mean? You're frustrated and angry all the time. Are you zealous for good works? Are you zealous for yourself? And communion makes us look at how zealous Jesus was. That even though he didn't feel... Like going to the cross was like a happy moment. He did it because he loves us. So the prayer of Paul was this in Colossians chapter 1. Hear our prayer. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now here's the request. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, no matter what God puts in front of you, to do good and increasing in the knowledge of God. We've been called to be a force of good, a powerful force of good in this earth. Would you take some time now to honestly and transparently evaluate how you want to move into the next season, zealous for good works with your Jesus jersey on. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.